The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash that like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent while you smash it. Let me once again remind you what we got going on over a 10-week span. It's called the Summer Shootaround. It's a series during which we're going to focus on 20 notable teams over a span of 10 weeks. Two per week, 20 teams in 10 weeks, and we're doing the schools in alphabetical order. So we've already knocked out Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Auburn, and Baylor. Now we turn our attention to Creighton. The Blue Jays went 23-12 and last season, finished fourth in the Big East standings, got a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, then lost to the eventual national champion, Kansas, in the round of 32. From that team, Creighton lost Ryan Hawkins, Alex O'Connell, so two of the top three scores, but the Blue Jays are bringing back Ryan Cockbrenner, Ryan Nimhard, Arthur Kaluma, Trey Alexander, four of the top six scores. They're also adding South Dakota State transfer Baylor Shireman. I've got Creighton ranked 11th in the CBS Sports Top 25 and 1. We'll see what Deadleg thinks of Greg McDermott's Blue Jays next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Deadleg, I got Creighton ranked 11th in the top 25 and one. That makes the Blue Jays my pick to win the Big East. Where are you at on Creighton as a legitimate Final Four contender? Well, let's go with the trivia time right off the bat before I answer that. All right, trivia time, you ready for it? Ready, I'm always ready. All right, let's see if you can get this within... See, you might know it. You did your research, so I know you're you're checking in on various sources, including Wikipedia, so maybe you stumbled upon this and it's sitting there in the recesses of your brain. Let's see if you can get this within 30 victories. Mm -hmm. Uh, 30 north, 30 south, it counts as a win. Otherwise, you're out. How many total career wins for Greg McDermott do you think? Oh, I have not looked that up. Um, career wins. Greg McDermott. Yep. Ugh. I, I can I, say uh, he started in 1994 at Wayne State in, in Division Two. So this counts to his overall tally here. I, I, I'm, I have no 
context for what this could be. I'm going to say 450. You're, you know, you're in the, you're in the ballpark, but, uh, but that is an eh, 556 and 332. Greg McDermott's won 556 games in his career. He's a bit more accomplished than he probably gets credit for. At Creighton, he's 276 and 137. That's a 668 win percentage. 57 years old. He's done. Uh, he's done damn well for himself at Creighton, uh, getting that job after you know Dana Altman in a different conference obviously brought that program to sustained relevance. As for this season, I'm intrigued by Creighton. So I was thinking about where they'll be projected versus what the expectations should be. All right. Last season, the Jays finished 50th in Ken Palm. They finished 24th in Torvik. That's a split that we don't often see among teams that would be in the top 50 of either of those predictive metrics parish. They were 40th in Sagarin and 41 overall in the Massey composite. So they were a good team. They were not a great team. How good was Creighton last season? How big will the jump be? The team brings back eight scholarship players. There is a case Creighton will be the best team in the Big East. You think that will be the that will be the situation based upon where you have the Jays ranked in your preseason top 25 and one Villanova no longer has Jay Wright. Providence lost some pieces after winning the biggest regular season last season. Providence didn't even play the full allotment of games. We'll see where the Friars go. I think Creighton's floor is number four in the big East. And if you're a Creighton fan listening and you think that's too low, I'm saying it's the floor. It's not my prediction. I'm saying the worst case scenario, I think for Creighton in the league will be fourth, but keep in mind there are teams every single season. I'm going to leave the uh, the roster breakdown to GP. I just want to remind Creighton fans of this. Given where they finished last season, you will get Nemhard back. We'll talk about his injury in a second here. But every single season, there are teams that are almost universally projected in the top 20 or in the top 25 that wind up failing to be top 25 teams, not just even at the end of the season, but for a majority of the season. Maybe Creighton will be one of those teams. Maybe it won't. But last season, here were those teams. Michigan, preseason number six team, did not appear in a single poll from December 6th on. Last offseason, Paris, the idea that Michigan would have been written off if we had done these offseason series a year ago, we, it would have been incredulous to think that Michigan wouldn't be a top 25 team. Guess what? It was six, and then it wasn't in a poll for more than 80% of the season. It happened, and it happened without big-time injuries. Memphis, Preseason number 12 didn't appear in any poll from the same mark on as Michigan. Oregon preseason 13 was in the first two weeks of the AP poll only to never come back. Alabama went from 14 to unranked. Ohio State preseason 17 ended the season unranked. UNC, Florida State, Maryland, St. Bonaventure, and Virginia all started ranked in the preseason. Most of those teams were not ranked for a majority of the season. That's 10 of the 25 teams. So I'm not, I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying Creighton is destined to this, but as we're building out these podcasts, Parrish, and we're talking about these teams, there will be a couple we touch on that aren't going to live up to expectations. It's the same deal as when we talk about guys that wind up going to be lottery picks in the draft. They're not going to hit. They're going to they're going to have bad careers. They're going to be out of the NBA in four or five years. It's hard to predict which ones those are. Creighton feels like a team that does apply to this scenario. It was good last season. Brings back a lot of pieces. We want to see how Nembard uh, comes back from the wrist injury. He had surgery on it. They should improve. But I'm just not there yet that Creighton is going to be the best team in the Big East. I find the Big East race to be pretty compelling. Where do you stand and how confident you are that Creighton will be uh, number one or a clear-cut number one in that league? I don't think they're clear-cut. 
And this is where Creighton fans are, you know, getting ready to throw their iPhones or computers uh, into a wall, because every time I update the top twenty-five and one, um, it, it, somebody is is eager to tell me Creighton should be in the top five, Creighton's top two, Creighton should be number one. Um, I, you know, I'm I, I know you don't spend a lot of time looking at rankings because you don't want them to influence your own rankings. Um, I'm the opposite. I, I do look at everybody else's. I mean, whether it's. Uh, uh, John Rothstein or Jeff Brazello or Jeff Goodman. You know, I'm very aware of where other people have teams ranked, if only because I don't want to have a, a like, oh my God, I didn't think about that team. Or, oh, you know, um, I just don't want to miss something obvious. And, you know, most people have Creighton in the top 10 right now. Uh, Rothstein's got them all the way up at number three behind only North Carolina and Gonzaga. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and, um, insist that's too high because he might end up being right but it is a big jump to go from where creighton was to where some people think creighton is gonna be um based on uh, they lost two of their top three scores and it's not like they enrolled the number one recruiting class in america although baylor shireman is awesome six seven senior um Average 16.2 points per game last season, 6'6 wing. Yeah, got 7.8 rebounds per game. You know, shot 46.9% from three on 5.1 attempts. I mean, I think he's going to translate beautifully uh, from South Dakota State to to Creighton. And, and they're, you know, they're adding another transfer from TCU, Francisco Farabello, Mason Miller, former top 75 recruit, Mike Miller's son. Um, he's my little homie from Memphis. You know, he's a, a, a six eight shooter, redshirted last season. Perhaps he can make an impact. But I guess I would just say, um, and clearly I think they're gonna be good. Uh, but I, I I would I was surprised when I saw people jump them into the top five after Shireman committed, because you start trying to find examples of teams that were fifty and lower at Ken Palm. You know, they bring back a lot of good pieces, but lost two of their top three scores. And you know, don't enroll a bunch of five-star guys or it's just, it's a big jump. Like I, I wouldn't look just randomly to see if I could find teams that went from 50 or lower in Ken Palm two years ago to last season. Really, really good. Auburn is an example of it. Uh, they were 60 at the Ken Palm in 2021 and then finished 12th in 2022, but they added two first round NBA draft picks, yeah, <laughs> you know, they added two first round NBA draft picks. Uh, so I am high on Creighton. I think they're going to win the big East, but I'm not as high on Creighton um, as some other people are just because, you know, typically, you know, to, to go from 50 or lower at Kim Palm to like top five at Ken Palm, you've got to add more than what Creighton is actually adding. Typically, doesn't mean it's impossible, but typically I'm not sure this is a recipe for making that kind of jump. Yeah. And again, Creighton fans, we, we like your team a lot. I, I don't want <laughs> listen when you, when you, especially if you're like a Creighton fan and you know, and I'm going to get to this in just a second, you know how good uh, or consistent your team has been and you're thinking maybe you know this is this is the kind of year where we're going in and we should be getting more buzz and hype than maybe ever. There's something to that. But I'm just saying I have a tendency to want to push back on one or two or three projected league winners in a preseason because it doesn't always work out like that. I feel like Creighton might be that situation. My starting five projection would be Kalkbrenner at the 5, Arthur Kalum at the 4, Shireman at the 3, Trey Alexander at the 2 and then Ryan Nemhard at the 1. 
I will give the program and McDermott a ton of credit for this. You know, Creighton finished tied atop the league in 2020, which is the only time this happened since it got the Big East. And it's a bit forgotten, but the Jays would have been maybe a two-seed, a three-seed at worst if we had that tournament. That's a little bit forgotten a couple years later. The program has averaged 22.1 wins the past seven seasons, GP, and finished between 20 and 25 wins in each of those years. So it has been steady, 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 steady. For the most part, without having an NCAA tournament caliber team in just uh, two of those seven seasons. So five of the seven seasons, Creighton's been good enough to get to the NCAA tournament. And I'd say they overperformed expectations for relative to what they were heading into last season. So if anything, I think Creighton's a tad undervalued nationally for how reliable it's become. And remember, this stretch I'm talking about, 22.1 wins over the past seven seasons, that is the post Doug McDermott years. Okay, so they've done a really, really good job. Non-conference schedule-wise, they've got Texas Tech and Maui. The Maui bracket uh, was officially released on Monday. You want to talk about a crazy, crazy contrast in styles. Creighton versus Texas Tech is awesome. And then they'll either play. That's one where for your tournament seeding, like you want to beat Texas Tech, not just because it'll be a good win, but if you win, you get a crack at Arkansas, if you lose, you'll play a Louisville team that's not projected to be an NCAA tournament team in the first season under Kenny Payne. Um, so it's weird to me that Texas Tech, Creighton, and Arkansas are in the top half of that bracket, but whatever. On the bottom half, you've got the likes of Ohio State, uh, San Diego State, Arizona, and Cincinnati. So we'll see. They also have, Creighton does, they're at Texas December 1st. That's the Big East Big 12 series, which got officially announced on Monday as well. Uh, so that's a wonderful game. Wonderful game. They'll host Nebraska. Those two schools play annually, of course. And then they are playing uh, BYU and Arizona State in Las Vegas in December. All told, all told Parish, that's a pretty presentable non-conference schedule to me, uh, given what Creighton is, what they're expecting to be. I think that's 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 pretty good. And the, and the program, big picture, has been able to sustain itself well after enduring. This gets a little bit lost as well. You know, Creighton was subject to a significant NCAA investigation following the FBI probe where one of McDermott's former assistants, I mean, I watched the video, was was on camera accepting money um, in, in, you know, in an effort to uh, to steer prospects and players to Christian Dawkins's uh, agency at that point. Uh, they didn't realize they were, uh, you know, on the take from the FBI, but McDermott, you know, kept his job. Creighton uh, endured some sanctions, but it has not put the program um, behind the eight ball. They've been able to to maintain it, and now they've got they've got a fun, talented team, and yes, uh, a team that should be considered as likely as any other to win the Big East. The game at Texas that'll be in Texas' new arena, right? Yes. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Um, and Creighton, it should be noted, has an incredible home court advantage uh, as well. Um, Probably I, I, a top five arena GP I have not been to that I want to experience. I've heard this uh, like pro style. You can speak to it, but pro style arena, great home court. Uh, I definitely maybe this will be the season I get out there. I've always wanted to go there, but uh, but you're speaking something that I've heard a lot of, frankly, media people and coaches talk about before. Yeah, um, I was there for Doug McDermott senior night um, where he went off. And it was obviously sold out. The game was on CBS Sports Network. It was Creighton Providence, I, I believe. And it was just funny. I was at the Providence shoot around that day and they <laughs> they spent an hour talking about what they were going to. And then McDermott just came out. And it was like this. And, when he, and so when he gets the ball here, we're going to do this. And it just didn't matter. He got, he got the ball and did whatever he wanted it. That was of and I, like I could probably tell by my lack of hair and 
wrinkles. Um, I've been doing this a long time now, and that was one of my favorite you know, game experiences that I've ever had. Like being in Omaha that night for Doug's senior night and watching him have that moment with his family in front of that crowd, just being able to be a part of that. Like I, I really felt like, wow, this is neat that I get to, because I was on the sideline for it. This is neat that I get to be a part of that. So it's a, it's a great home court advantage, great environment. And, um, you know, circling back, you you ran through the starting lineup that you would project. I think that's exactly right. And if you want me to argue the, hey, maybe Creighton's going to be better than I think they're going to be. And I I can't stress this enough. I think they're going to be good. I've got them 11th in the country. I've got them projected to win the Big East. But maybe they'll be even better than that. They are going to start, theoretically, four players who averaged double digits in points last season for an NCAA tournament team. How many teams are doing that? Yeah, probably not, not. Not many. Um, last season's team, I just, I, I always thought this was funny. Three of the top four scores named Ryan. Ryan, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that is that is had that ever happened before? I'm sure it has, but I, I'm not sure it has. Yeah. I'm sure I'm there's not, a D three team somewhere that had three of its top four scores <laughs> named Ryan. I'm, in fact, I'm almost positive that. How about never happened at the power conference level? Right, there, I, I doubt it. Um, just poking through the numbers a little bit, you know, Greg is one of the great offensive coaches in in the country, and Creighton has traditionally been very good offensively. They weren't last season. Um, 112th in offensive efficiency, actually better defensively, 19th in, in defensive efficiency. Now, Baylor Shireman, I think, can fix a lot of that. Um, I, I can't overstate how... Um, how impactful I think he's going to be. Um, and then, you know, assuming you get Ryan Nimhard back good as new, he's, you know, he's the one, they broke his wrist in, in February um, in the middle of a game. And I remember watching that and he knew immediately, like I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but like you could lip read. Yeah. And it was like, it's broke. I, it was something like it's broken. It's you. He knew immediately something was bad wrong. And then, he had the season-ending wrist surgery, um, but, but I'm assuming he'll be back good as new. And so, if he is, you know, they they've got a roster of 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 guys who, um, you know, have a chance to to do something special. And by special, I mean yes, maybe take Creighton to its first Final Four. Like Creighton is now one of the great programs in the country that has not yet been to a final four. I think they've made one elite eight like a million years ago, but you know, only been to a handful of sweet 16s, one elite eight, no final fours. Um, there's a chance on paper that this could go down as the most accomplished team in Creighton basketball history. How about that? Let's set the bar there mm. when it's all over with. Is this the most accomplished team in Creighton basketball history? McDermott team, that same team you saw in Omaha, I want to say they got knocked out of the second round. I feel like they lost in the second round. You want to fact check me on that, GP? Second round NCAA tournament. No, uh, I, I bounced by Baylor. Have, I, we done, have we done back-to-back pods on Baylor and Creighton, and Baylor was the team that knocked out Creighton in the second round? What? I don't... Um, 2014 I think, tournament? You got it right. It is 2000... 14 NCAA tournament beat Louisiana Lafayette in the first round and then lost to Baylor. Ooh, I remember it being bad. I think I might've been there 
8555. I love how you can't remember. <laughs> I might have been there. I think I might have been there, but I'm not sure. Uh, that's too funny. By the way, um, I'm almost positive. You just said Louisiana Lafayette. I'm almost positive uh, that game had two future pros because I believe that was Alfred Payton's Louisiana Lafayette team, which they're now just Louisiana. But at the time, they were Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm 90% sure. Uh, Alfred, Alfred, Alfred Payton was on that team. Bada bang. Here we go. Um, a quick on Nemhard. I, I love his... If, I assume he's going to return well from a wrist injury. Um, in fact, Ryan Emhard and I have this in common. We both have broken our wrist and had surgery on a wrist playing basketball. Granted, the situations were drastically different. Also uh, broke my wrist. Doing what? Riding a bicycle. Okay. Oh yeah, we we've, we've shared this one on the on the pod before. Coincidentally, I, I woke up from the anesthesia while they were resetting my arm. Yeah, that's horrendous. Oh, oh, horrendous. Horrendous. These two bones right here, uh, if you do have two, this is the way I remember it. Um, there's bones here. And when you hear somebody broke their wrist, it, it's not usually broken 100%. Yeah. Mine were like either uh, like really, really bad. So they had to put me under, reset it. I woke up while they were resetting it. My parents could hear me yelling from the waiting room at the emergency room. Absolutely horrendous, man. Just true. Atrocious. The, uh, childhood, the childhood trauma I endured is still taking a toll on me. Uh, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but coincidentally enough, when I broke my wrist in 2002, when I uh, woke up after, not during the anesthesia, after surgery, it was when Terrell Taylor beat Florida in the first round of the NCAA tournament for Creighton. I was half awake and barely remember that, but uh, sure enough, that's it. As for Ryan Nemhard. I love his outlook. Last season, he averaged 11.3 points, 3.1 boards, 4.4 assists on 40.4 shooting overall from the field. Um, I, I think that he has uh, terrific pro potential, similar to his brother who, who became, I think, 21st. He was in, he was top 25 pick. Andrew was out of Gonzaga there. Ryan might prove to ultimately maybe be better. He's a little smaller, which which is the thing that's going to hold it against him. He's you know six feet, maybe six one. Uh, but overall, I, I I I love him as a college player. And if he's back and fully healthy, yeah, he could be one of the best. I think he could be one of the best point guards in the country this season. Granted, if he's fully healthy, so keep an eye on that as well. If you are Creighton, and yeah, I, I, this is uh this has been kind of long awaited as far as I'm concerned in in terms of the Big East. Jay Wright unexpectedly retires, and now we've got, and I think we're going to do one on Nova on the back end of this. So we'll get to we'll get to Villanova a bit more, and maybe expand this this discussion uh, even further beyond. But uh, in most seasons, it has been you head into the big, big East, and it's Villanova, and then everyone else. In most seasons since the conference uh, reformed nearly a decade ago, this season it is different. Villanova is not going to be considered the favorite uh, by some, by many. Uh, maybe a few people still have him as default there. Uh, I would resist that. And you could have Creighton, Nova, UConn, Providence, all in that all in that conversation there. I'm in, I'm interested to see, and I and I like the fact that the Big East finally has a little bit of at least projected change at the top of the league. If Creighton plays the way we think it will, yes, Creighton will win uh, will win the league, and in doing so, history shows. Now, this is granted, GP. This has been Villanova, but if you win the Big East. Uh, you're looking at either a one or two or a three seed uh, at minimum. And if that were the case, yes, to, to come uh, all the way around in your, your question. Uh, put me down for, put me down for 
57% that this is uh, the most accomplished and best year in Creighton men's basketball history. Okay, we'll see. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Apple. Five stars, nice review. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, please do that as well. And we will continue our summer shoot-around series next week. The next two schools we'll be focusing on, Duke and Gonzaga. We'll have another episode in between then. So just keep checking. We'll be back real soon. Till then, take care. CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.